I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. To explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. Others lock up your sons. The fangirls are busting out all over. It's Fangirl Radio. Fangirl Radio. the fangirls on jackalope radio hey everybody and welcome to the latest and greatest episode of the fangirl radio show i am your host jessica dwyer and with me is my lovely co-host miss rachel moore happy sherlock birthday it is in fact the detective's birthday and we are very happy about that uh it is uh great because this episode we will be talking sherlock later on as i can't believe a show that uh as as myself and many sherlockians including rachel i'm sure are thinking we've waited two years and next weekend is the finale oh I should mention that um, the the accepted date of Sherlock's birth, which is January 6th, is actually on the date of recording, not on the date of airing. As a nerd, I feel compelled. To yes, start. this is true. I, I said next weekend. It's this weekend, actually, as of this airing. This, this coming Sunday. Sunday, Sunday. Is the finale of Sherlock. Don't remind me. I'm in denial. And I have a theory of what's going to happen, and it's horrible. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. If it's anything nearly like my theory, well, oh, I'm, I'm sure you'll enjoy my 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 theory. Will make your heart. I don't know. I think maybe you. I I don't know. I think maybe we possibly came up with the same one. We'll have to find out. Yeah, we'll compare notes. Um, but yes, we'll be talking Sherlock as uh, the the wedding happened, and um, we Rachel and I have seen it. Uh, also, we'll be talking Downton Abbey, which returned um, this previous Sunday. And also, uh, at least stateside. And also, we will be talking Community, which came back. Yay! And I didn't watch Community, but Rachel didn't watch Downton. So it's going to be a nice little spoiler for each of us on that. Um, but before we get into our discussion of our, our returning and soon-to-be-leaving TV series, uh, let's go through some Week in Geek because there's quite a bit of comic book filmdom going on and uh, rumors are flying. I have a little bit of an update on Doctor Who, which starts filming tomorrow as of this <laughs> How excited are you? Oh my God, I can feel his little heart pitter pattering here. <laughs> uh, there's a picture in my head of Peter Capaldi staring up at his ceiling going, I'm doing it tomorrow tomorrow um and uh but before we get into that i wanted to talk about the rumor mill for all of these comic book films which uh we'll just start off with the big one which is superman batman which has a ton of stuff coming out now what they're doing rumors popping up about uh green lantern's now going to be in it um they're and they're saying now they're trying because everyone in the brother has decided this is basically justice league light uh, they're they're trying to say that no 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 this isn't going to be a Justice League movie this is definitely a Superman flick uh, we we're going to have uh, superheroes in it though as part of Superman's journey and of course you know we've they've they've cast Wonder Woman and the big one now is uh, uh, John Stewart. Uh, Green Lantern. That's another one that they're talking about having in there. Wait, John Stewart as Green Lantern? No, John Stewart the Green Lantern. Oh, I was like, I misunderstood. <laughs> no, I, I, I know, no, totally not that John Stewart. I'm not a Green Lantern girl. I just know that all the all the comic book geeks I know, well, for the most part, I have to qualify that because there's always the ones that you can't get enough. But um. 
none of us really want to see it. I mean, I just kind of have big feature fatigue right now, to be honest. Well, you'll even feel more odd about this movie or less inclined after you hear this new rumor about what the origins of Wonder Woman are going to be. Oh, no. What they're saying now is that the Amazons will be descendants of the Kryptonians that landed on Earth thousands of years ago. So now they're going to completely disregard the Amazonian mythos behind Wonder Woman and have that the Amazons are actually people that uh, were born of Kryptonians. Oh my gosh. That makes me so angry. I, I don't understand. Why can't they just keep the pure myth that is Wonder Woman's being born from the clay that her mother used to create her you know, like keep it in. You know, they made all the Thor stuff work, right? Why can't maybe that's DC, what? Maybe they got flack for. I don't know. Why can't DC? Why can't DC do what Marvel did and make the 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 mythos behind the character? Because Thor is even more of a myth than Wonder Woman because he's actually right. a Norse god. I, I don't. He's get, somebody that people still worship. Yeah, I I don't understand. So now that's the case. They're saying that that Wonder Woman's origins uh, to tie her into this world, which is so s- ridiculous. It's, so it's ridiculous. She's to- Wonder Woman. What more do you need to know? It's almost like they're belittling her to tie her in to Superman because they still don't think she could stand on her own. And that to me is a disservice, major disservice to the character. And uh, the the female uh, heroes in the comic book world again. I mean, why is Wonder Woman getting such a hard way to go? You know, I, there's um, there was a really good article on Boing Boing recently that was talking about um, women in video games and why um, all the advertising stats on video games are wrong about women's um, buying in. And I kind of feel that way about the big ticket uh comic book movies is they assume that women are not buying tickets for some reason so they gear everything towards men and then the women don't show up for the the flicks and then they go oh see this proves our point that women don't spend money on comic book when i mean everyone i know that likes thor the dark world is a female and they're there for one of two reasons well and yeah it's Loki, and then and there's... Thor. I mean, well, like... Uh, yeah, I go, because it's a beautiful epic, as well as eye candy, and you know what's so funny to me is the fact that the eye candy for chicks in, in these movies is dressed. They have clothes on. Yeah, well, I mean, because it's not... I mean, there is there is the there is the objectification but it really is about the smart one, the well-dressed one, the, you know, and they, I mean, why is that the villain? Yeah, why, exactly. Why, why is my choice, you know, of a well-dressed superhero, Tony Stark, who's a misogynist or, you know what I'm saying? Like, why, <laughs> why don't I have a female superhero that's not Pepper Potts doing her weird version of, like, She-Hulk? Yeah, and, and I mean, I was so excited for that, and it's embarrassing how excited I was that they actually like let her do something cool, and and yet it completely defied all logic. And it did, did it. and I, and and it made no sense in the story, and it completely disregarded this thing that they had just spoken about a half an hour before. It let every you know, but it was the only time in one of those movies I saw a woman do something cool, other than maybe Sif, who doesn't get any screen yeah, time. Yeah, but what about Black Widow? Yeah, but she's a minor character. She wasn't and, in the Avengers. Here's the thing. Here's the other thing about her in the Avengers. And they because Joss Whedon thinks women are people, he doesn't write, write her the way they wrote her in the first Iron Man movie she showed up in because in that movie I was so bored with her. I'm like, "Yes, yes, we get it. Scarlett Johansson in like leather jumpsuit." Great. Well, and that's what they're saying is going to be sort of the way this goes with with uh right. Man Batman is that- and- when, it's going to be her basically showing up like Black Widow did. When she showed up, and she's still a more minor character, when she showed up in Avengers, she's out thinking and out fighting everyone from the get-go. And the fact that she's gorgeous and in a jumpsuit is incidental. And all of a sudden, I'm like, I like this character. Where did that come from? Joss Whedon. Yeah. So it, it came from a writer writing a woman 
as a person. And that's all I ask with Wonder Woman, that you give her, if you gave her the, um, the emphasis on her backstory, we would watch because we all know how Superman happened. We all know how Superman ha- I don't need another movie telling me what, how Superman came to. Right. And, and ty- trying to tie these two together when they never have had any sort of thing like that. What, that you're basically sort of like, I'm twist, gonna, I'm you're twisting work. the Supergirl mythos to make Jessica, this work. I think that next week we should call, we should get, we should get some viewers or some listeners to volunteer to a random survey and we should ask them to tell us Wonder Woman's backstory and we should ask them some of these other things. I oh, think we should prove that, that this is necessary. This is, yeah, this is an unnecessary thing. People, they don't need to rewrite this. The character is as iconic as Superman. And yeah. and I just don't get why you're jacking with this backstory. I don't get it. Um, so moving on to Avengers Age of Ultron. Uh, the big rumor here is the fact that they are going to be filming in South Africa for this movie. Oh, cool. And the thing that a lot of people are thinking is the fact that Africa, South Africa, Wakanda, Black Panther. So they're thinking that this movie, which is probably going to be one of the biggest superhero movies, it really is. It's going to be one of the biggest superhero movies ever. After, I mean, you're following up the Avengers, the biggest blockbuster ever, um, with... This is the sequel. Uh, I think they're going to use this, and I think people are right to assume that this is probably going to have a little bit of Black Panther in it. There's going to be a nod there. I, I really, truly believe. So it'll be interesting to see if that's the case. Uh, no, this is pure conjecture at this point, but a lot of people think that's where they're going with it, and they're going to. I don't know. It could be. I just think that South Africa is freaking gorgeous. It is freaking gorgeous. Uh, and so, I mean, I would film there. It's like filming in New Zealand. Like, do you really need more reason than New Zealand? I kind of feel that, (laughs) especially about like Cape Town, Cape Town, South Africa is on my like bucket list of places to go. Same here. I'd love to go there. Um, uh, not just because of the accents. Uh, I I have a good friend who, uh, is from Cape Town, but I, uh, I really, I would love to see that. I would love to see, even though he's, we really can't utilize him. I'd love to see Idris Elba be the Black Panther, but he's already in a Marvel movie. I don't think they can get that to happen. Uh, but yeah, so that is a possibility that they are maybe going to be setting up a, cause that's another one that a lot of people are wanting to see have a spinoff is Black Panther. And it's a great character. I, I think that would be interesting to see it happen and also everybody's like you know that's black panther that's a place where vibranium came into play you know so we'll see we'll see if that goes down uh the next one is ant-man and a lot of people were just assuming that um paul rudd would be playing hank pym Mm -hmm. but now edgar wright and um uh i saw on on um one of my one of my uh websites that I check out they they were talking about the fact that a few years ago and if uh they were uh there was an interview with Edgar Wright about what he wanted to do with Ant-Man because this has been hanging around for a while that he was going to do Ant-Man and they were talking about uh Henry Pym and a guy named Scott Lang in the in the comics who steals the Ant-Man costume to do crime oh yeah and so that kind of took place with what he's saying. um, This is an actual quote from an interview that he did. Uh, He said is to have a film that basically is about Hank Pym and Scott Lang. So you actually do a prologue where you see Pym as Ant-Man in action in the sixties. And then you have a flash forward to Scott Lang coming in and doing this. And then they team up. So it sounds like Paul Rudd's not going to be Hank Pym. He's probably going to be the Scott Lang guy. Uh, but once again, pure conjecture. But that sounds, I can totally see that going on. And that see, would be really cool. I don't care what happens because 
Ant-Man is one I'm not worried about, not just because, you know, people have less invested in Ant-Man than other characters. So I think there's some more to do with, with it. But because Edgar Wright, Edgar Wright loves comics and he loves comic book readers and he loves to watch. He he is a director who makes the kind of movies he would want to watch. And so I'm all all about it. And And the fact that they did that test footage that we've seen and that just blew my socks off. I don't know if you saw it, Rachel, but Mm-mm. the test, go look it up. It's probably still floating around online, but the Ant-Man test footage that they showed at Comic-Con just was phenomenal. It it, it was, it made something like a lot of people are like, Ant-Man, oh, this is boring. This looked great. How they utilize the size shifting and all of that. Plus Paul Rudd, who mm-hmm. makes anything better. And, I mean, come on, the guy beat down Michael Myers with a baseball bat. <laughs> he did. It's true. I'm going to have to take your word on that. No, seriously, Chris and Michael Myers, Paul Rudd. I I, t- I, t- I never argue with you when it comes to horror. <laughs> so, Doctor Who, Room and Control, here we go. There, it, it really annoys me when people post photos that are completely obvious that they aren't what people are saying they are and there's one going around right now online and i think enough people have gotten the word out now telling them uh as of today uh that is not his costume there's a photo of peter capaldi he showed up at a sherlock sign of the uh sign of three event yeah (laughs) and a lot of people were happy about this. He signed autographs. He took photos. He talked to everybody. He was giddy. And it's a little schoolgirl about what was going on. But he was Peter Capaldi. He wasn't in his outfit. That's just how cool he dresses. <laughs> okay, you know, smart jacket, probably a scarf, coif of hair, beautifully done. Uh, that's just Peter Capaldi. He was not in costume. This was him just attending a Sherlock event. And they did a screening there in Cardiff where they're going to be filming. And he just showed up, signed autographs, and got to watch the sign of three with everybody because, like everyone else, he's a big geek. And we've established this. And he loves Sherlock, no doubt. Um, so well, Who doesn't, really? Who doesn't? But anyway, so shooting starts this week as of this airing. Um, it actually starts on January 7th, so tomorrow. And it's going to be taking place... In a location that a lot that a lot of people are going to be familiar with, because it was actually used in the episode "The Next Doctor" with David Morrissey and David Tennant, um, that was used for a Victorian England area, and I believe it's called Maltings is the is the location. Uh, so, Capaldi has had his costume fitting, but he wasn't wearing it there. The other rumor. Is that, um, and we already kind of established this, we already kind of knew this was going to happen. Madame Bostra, Jenny, and Strax are back. Uh, the Daleks are supposedly in this, and it's supposedly a two-parter. So, two-parter Dalek. And the other thing is, Capaldi is not going to be in costume for 99% of the episode. <laughs> They're going to make us wait to the last damn two minutes of him getting into the TARDIS and figuring out what he's going to wear just like they did with Matt Smith and just like they did with David Tennant because if you remember when Tennant showed up he was still in Eccleston's outfit then he was in pajamas right? and then he didn't put on the trainers and the suit until the end of the episode right? so that's going to be the case there uh, the other thing is they think this one's going to be set in World War One. So you're gonna have World War One Daleks with possibly Jenny and Strax and Vostra, and they're gonna be helping the Doctor, who's still going through regeneration weirdness, because um, it was a pretty epic regeneration uh, that he's got a reset of an entire regeneration cycle. Uh, they're saying that it's gonna be like an old train station is gonna be the setting. There was lots of sandbags and barrels and things, so I'm wondering if they're going to have like World War One, where the Daleks are siding with the bad guys, and it should be interesting. I think it's going to be a good one, and uh, so yeah, that's the rumor control of Doctor Who. 
they didn't film today like everyone thought. It was actually um, Capaldi walked through, and this, by the way, we're recording this on the 6th. Capaldi did a walkthrough on set. He got to see the TARDIS control room again, where he, the big round room. And, uh, yeah, he did his costume fitting and everything. So somewhere in Cardiff, Peter Capaldi is staring up at his ceiling in his bedroom, freaking out and probably rubbing his nose and doing the thing with his hands that he does. Isn't it like seven hours later there? <laughs> yeah. So it's only like, it's only like, oh, he might be getting in a car right like, now to go on set. <laughs> I was like, he's probably going to work. Oh, he's going to be the doctor. He's doctor. <laughs> he's the doctor. He's the doctor right now. Uh, oh, and Rachel, my last bit of the Weekend Geek. Twin Peaks is filming right now. I know. Oh my gosh. Uh, there is a now. <laughs> now there's no. There's no one. No there's one. Nothing. Knows. There's no, no one knows what they're doing, but there is a good possibility that I doubt this is going to be for a full series. That would have sparked a lot more news than this, I think. Oh, I, I, I'm, I'm guessing miniseries. Well, what I think it is, there's a, what people are thinking is the fact that they're doing a Blu-ray set of the TV series that's coming out. And I think what they're doing is a um, possible special deal for the Blu-ray series. So it could be like an, a, like a uh, follow-up because the, the thing that um, happened in uh, Twin Peaks was Laura Palmer tells Kyle MacLachlan, um I'm sorry, Laura Palmer tells Dale Cooper <laughs> that she'd see him 25 years from that day. And that series was set in 1989, so that would be this year. There you go. Good chance that we're going to see the return of Laura Palmer and Agent Dale Cooper. Probably in something like a Marvel short. Only it's going to be a lynch. I, I don't have words, which is bad for radio. But. <laughs> Rachel's squeeing internally right now because it would just sound horrible <laughs> over the radio. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so there you go. We might have um, that reunion between Laura Palmer and Dale Cooper in heaven having some damn good coffee and pie. There you go. So on to our discussion for tonight, which is our triple header of television. And the first one is going to be, let's have Rachel talk about community. So I think we've already talked ad nauseum on the show about Dan Harmon um, sort of getting ousted from his own show and then saying, you know, he was he was trusting the people he'd been working with all this time to make um, community and make it the way that they knew how. And then he came back and then go, said he wasn't going to pl- complain about how they made it. And then they, he complained about it, which, he, you know, he shouldn't have said some of the things he said because they were not OK to say. But um, the truth was it was a lacking, uneven awful for community season the sad thing is a bad season of community is still better than most television but for instance something that should have been awesome like the puppet episode that was just nearly unwatchable with its lack of any kind of humor or plot um or i was just schlocky and bad so Coming back, we got two episodes released at once, which was wonderful because Community is a typical sitcom, half an hour dealy bobber. And the first one is called Repilot, where Abed, being Abed, points out that it is time to, you know, rebrand the show like Scrub Season 9 <laughs> when Zach Braff left. So we open to, and this is going to be a little bit spoilery, but not spoilery enough that you won't want to watch the episode. And we open up to Jeff Winger having um, gone back to being a lawyer. (laughs) And apparently if you try to be a good person and a lawyer, you don't make any money. So he's not being very successful. And his nemesis um, convinces him to um, long through a convoluted means to sue Greendale. So he puts together the study group of people who to save Greendale 
to convince them all to actually sue Greendale because their lives have gone bad, especially in the last year, which they all say the last year of things going bad shouldn't count because there was a gas leak. (laughs) Man. They completely explain it that way. Um, So the first episode's a little bit dark because it kind of points out how nobody's where they wanted to be. Everyone's graduated and things have gone not great for any of them. Um, They address in the matter of that time um, the kind of wonky storylines of of season four, they address how Troy has just become a like sidekick to Abed and has completely lost himself. Um, they address how uh, Greendale treats its students and how if you're going to get good people out of Greendale, um, what are you going to do? So in the course of this episode, as we kind of all precognated that would happen um jeff winger comes back as a teacher oh wow and because we learned at the end of last season that he got his degree in education (laughs) so he comes back as a teacher everyone decides to restart their lives and take different things at greendale and uh he jeff winger then in the next episode falls under the um mentorship of an older teacher played by Jonathan Banks who many people know him from Breaking Bad although he's been in everything (laughs) but as Professor Buzz Hickey and um, Jeff Winger learns that being a teacher you have to act differently than being a student like come up with say syllabuses and grades (laughs) so it's a um, job it's a job (laughs) And so it, they, season five did what, so far in two episodes, did what season four couldn't, which is the, the show is transitioning. There are things that are different. Um, characters actually progress, but there's the quirkiness, the things that we love about it. And the pulp, the pop culture references done in a clever way instead of a shove down your throat. We get it. Abed, pop culture reference, pop culture reference. You cool, know, cool. Annie's neurotic, blah, blah, blah. It just the whole thing is in two episodes makes up for all of season four and yeah. redeems some of it. You know, the thing that was ridiculous was I, I was I was ill and I I gotten through part of season three and I thought, I've heard about season four. Do I really want to do this? Um, I'll skip ahead and just see a couple episodes of season four to see that the difference is. And, oh my God. It, it was the most obvious difference of, a, of tone and writing that I had ever seen in a show. I mean, it was, it was so overtly bad in comparison to the previous things that I'd watched. Right. And I mean, the problem is that it's not, lots of people say, you know, it's not that bad. There are worse things on television. There's not much better. But the thing is, Community and Dan Harmon set the standards so high that it it was so obvious that something was missing. And in two episodes, it's just made, I mean, everything is more interesting in the show now. And I wasn't sure in the first, I'd say even 10 minutes of community because that first episode was dark, but it had to be to kind of get over that whole, that whole, um, mishmash of, ugh, ugh, I'm sorry. Season four, there are just episodes in season four. There are some that I like, but the, the balloon episode, which had puppets, which is like everything that I should like. What a waste. Yeah, I, I I'm almost scared because I'm I'm now starting on on Hulu season four and I'm gonna have to just go through it. Yeah, well, and there are some that are worth watching, and um, but there are just a few that are nigh unwatchable just because they're so not with the keeping of the show. Yuck. Well, 
that is I, I figured when I heard he was coming back what they were going to do and and that it would be good again. So I had that's why I was like, OK, I'm going to I'm going to keep with it. If it, if they had not brought him back, I was just going to end with season three. I wasn't even going to bother continuing on. It's like Dexter. After after the the uh, John Lithgow season, I think that's season four. Just stop. <laughs> just don't even bother. Uh, so. Another show returned, at least stateside, that our UK friends have already seen all of this season of Downton Abbey. And uh, it came back with a two-hour premiere on PBS on Sunday. And as is the usual with Downton Abbey, this didn't have a a ton of drama. It just showed us where all these characters were at um, in in, in six months after the, the death of Matthew, who died in that random car crash because he wanted out of the show. That's <laughs> pretty much just what happened. It's true. It's true. And uh, so six months later, Mary, uh, Lady Mary, is all in black and she is just shattered. She uh, She just is destroyed by the loss of her husband and um michelle dockery is just stunning in this and you know she's always beautiful but she manages to be will it make me care about her for once i think you will i think you'll be irritated with her which is typical with lady mary yeah but i mean it's hard because i love michelle dockery but she does such a good job at this character that it's sometimes so hard to love that you're like why did he marry her because he's everything and she's like oh right and and the thing is she even makes a mention in this that she's acting just completely like soulless she does this great job of being soulless and she's talking to um to uh Gosh, I can never remember his name. How can I forget this guy's name? Uh, oh, sorry, Carson. Oh, <laughs> sorry, sorry. I was going to call him Carter. That's because that's his last name in real life. But no, yeah, Mr. yeah. Carson. Mr. Carson, she's talking to him and she says that she thinks that all the softness that um, that Matthew brought forth in her and saw in her died with him. Oh. And it's this just, it's heart wrenching to watch. I mean, because she's got the baby. The baby never got to meet its dad. And so then there's this whole thing. The big, I can tell what they, they are going to set up for the big, the big story throughout is going to be Mary versus her father. I really think this is what's going to happen with, um, with uh, the Earl of Grantham and taking on his daughter. Because when Matthew died, he was so young that he didn't have a will. Well, and there's a couple things that I want to point out. I didn't see the episode, but I think it's important for the, the synopsis. One, he he had only guys can inherit, and he was the right. inheritor, which is why they were keen to marry her to him. And two, he was revamping the whole estate. And right. so he had fought with both her and um, Lord Grantham to bring them around to this business plan. And I have a feeling now that one of them is going to still want to embrace it. And one is not going to want to do it without him. Right. And, and they, and they talk about that as well, because uh, the Earl Grantham and Branson are both working to, um, to on the estate and working with the farmers on the estate. And, um, but when this happened, there was no will. So it would automatically go to his son. And so what they're worried, they're worried about this. And of course, you know, the Earl of Grantham is like, I'll take care of it. I, you know, I, I, blah, 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 you know, like, give me back my stuff, basically, which is what, you know, his big deal. And so what ends up happening is that there's a box of, of things from Matthew's office that are delivered. And as the Earl of Grantham is wont to do, he opens up everything himself before they give it to Mary because he needs to protect his daughter, you know? And, and so he finds this document and it's a note from Matthew to Mary telling her that he wants her to be his, his heiress. And he signed it and he actually had two witnesses sign it as well. And so of course you're, you're watching and you're waiting because 
the Earl, he's he's totally going to try and boner by taking this and going off and, and saying it's not worth anything. It's not an actual will. So you've got uh, the, you know, uh, Maggie Smith telling him, you can't do that. The hell are you thinking? You're, you're trying to take this from her. This is her inheritance. You can't do that. And it's great because you get to see the, the, the Dowager Countess have the back of the girl. And, awesome. and it's, it's great because she calls him out on it. She's looking at him like she actually tells him when he's talking about this. Well, blah, 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 I can't have her take this. You know, what's not right? It should be going to the boy and I should have. Blah. And he, she tells him, basically, when I hear you talk like that, I feel like calling your nanny and having you spanked or something to that effect. Because she didn't parent him. Yeah. Like, I feel like calling nanny and having you put to bed. And, and, and he kind of gives her this look like he'd probably do it right now. <laughs> you know, she would. So there's that, I think, is going to be like the, the, the central point of, of, ne- of the season. And the other part of that is uh, Edith and her, her boyfriend, who is a still married um, uh, editor. And she's talking to him and he's talking about actually becoming a citizen of Germany so he can get divorced to marry her. You know, that's going to go over well with the family because they can't get a divorce in England for some reason of the, some of the rules at this time would not allow it. He would have to become an actual citizen of Germany. And mind you, this is after the war, you know, they're not really hot with the Germans. And, um, so she would have to move with him to Germany too. That's the other part of this. And plus he's divorced and he's older. She, why can't Edith like find a young guy that's normal? Is that so hard? So I can tell that's going to be another biggie of the show. And, and the other one, the poor little Mosley, uh, Mosley, who was uh, Matthew's, oh, well, poor Mosley, Mosley, poor guy. Uh, it there's this sweet little um, story part where actually uh, the Dowager Countess is actually trying to help him get money because he's fallen on hard times because he doesn't oh. have a job, and they actually kicked him out of Downton. Um, what? Yeah, I know. <laughs> he stayed there for six months, and they're like, "We don't have work for you. You should just go now." That's right, because uh, homeboy came back and taught. What? And they still. Oh, mm, yeah. So yeah. anyway, he poor guy. So what happens is, uh, uh, they they help him out. The the Dowager Countess helps him, and then you have, uh, uh shoot. I can I see I, there's so many good looking guys in this that I get them. John, Dr. Mr. Bates helps him and Anna helps him uh, by going to the Dowager Countess. There's this great scene where he goes to him, her, and has her give him 30 pounds to loan him or to give him. And then he does this great thing where he gets his, his signature and forges it on a, an agreement that he lies and says, remember when you loaned me this money? Well, I just remembered I owe, owe it to you. Here's 30 pounds. And so he could take the money without feeling like it was charity. It's so oh. sweet. Mr. Bates is so sweet. Uh, he's like, I love you, Brendan Coyle. You're so cute. And of course, Barrow is being his like queenie self and, and, making all kinds of problems again. He's like latching on to the new lady's maid. Oh, and the big news, the big thing, the first thing that happens in this episode, O'Brien's gone. What? She left. What? She leaves. She leaves. And that leads into um, having Edna Braithwaite come back. And now she is the lady's maid for uh, Miss, you know, Lady Crawley. So, um, yeah. So the Countess of, I'm sorry, the Countess of Grantham, uh, Cora's new lady's maid, uh, because O'Brien left. She decided to go with, uh, Rose's mom leaving Rose, by the way, Rose is still staying at Downton. So that's real nice and awkward for her. Uh, but yeah, so there's, and that's really the big, and, and you find out that Carson had a friend that, stole a woman from him. He he had all these bad feelings with this guy and they worked that out. But really that's it. In two hours, 
this is what we had happen. And, you know, Daisy and Alfred, there's like jealousy and stuff going on with Jimmy. And, you know, that the same thing that happened was happening before. But really, this is it. This is this is the thing that they this was two hours of the series and basically just setting up and telling you, OK, here's where these people are. But the major plots of the series of this new season haven't really been there yet. But I can tell that one of, you know, what they set up with Mary and her dad going at it is probably going to be the, a major piece of it. See, see, it's not really spoilery because nothing really major happened. Nothing happened. <laughs> nothing happened. <laughs> but that's always the truth for the first episode of Downton. Yeah. It's always just like, all right, this is what's happening. Yeah, really, that's it. I mean, I would say it's probably not going to gain speed until like episode three when something happens. I don't I hope no one dies this season. That would be nice. Um, I'd like to have all my Downton people safe and happy. Uh, Killed off my favorite sister. Oh, yeah. She was everybody's favorite sister. But it's because she was the only one that was likable. That had a soul. And, but I do have to say, I, I really do... Um, I, I really do like Branson. I almost I almost want Branson to like end up with Mary because they both have kids. Oh, and that was one of the things that was Ugh. really interesting. And they're both horrible. <laughs> oh, Branson is awesome. He's a sweetie. Don't don't not mm. Branson the chauffeur. He's stubborn. Yeah, but he's Irish. That's a given. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm Irish. I can say that. <laughs> oh oh, is that how that works? Yeah. Um, so anyway, the, uh, the thing that happened that I, one of the best parts of the episode, I, I, you never get to see, um, you never get to see Cora really lay into anybody unless it's her husband, uh, like really go off on someone. And they had a nanny that was sort of, she was acting very, you know, very, uh, snotty and, it was funny because our our boy, the 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 queen of Downton, Thomas Barrow Barrow, didn't like her, and she would boss him around. Which, if you you know the character Barrow, doesn't take that well at all. He doesn't like being told anything. So he kind of started hinting that she he would give it right back to her. You know, he did not like this. So you thought that well, he just. You know, she he was treating her like crap. She was treating him like crap. He had no reason to to be that way to her. And then you, uh, what was interesting was in the nursery, Cora walks in to find the the nanny actually yelling at Branson's daughter uh, and telling her, calling her half breed, and telling her to shut up because she was bothering the actual blue blood of the place you know, um, Mary's baby. And Cora was not happy with that. And threw her out like immediately, like would not leave her alone with the children because she was, uh, because of, you know, Barrow or, um, you know, Branson not being a true blue blood because he was, you know, a servant. Mm -hmm. It was a half-breed child. That's what she... And it was this, hor- this horrible scene. It's like, oh, my God. So, yeah, it was... You wonder what she'd been doing to the kid when no one was watching or no one saw her and what she'd yelled at the child. So, yeah, that's some messed Dang. up stuff. Yeah. So that was one of the big scenes, too, that I, I really enjoyed um, seeing Cora kind of bring the claws out and kick her out. That was great. So, yeah, Downton... Um, we have almost no time to talk about Sherlock now. <laughs> Actually, we have time. So, Rachel and I have both seen Sherlock. The, the first two the first episodes two. of series three. And I, I, I am going to reiterate, Mark Gaddis, the biggest fangirl in the world. That's what I'm saying. He is incredibly a fangirl. When it comes to Sherlock and basically has taken every fanfic and fan theory and fan dream and made two episodes. Out of them. 
Well, you know, Gatiss and Moffat have walked a wonderful line of giving fan service without really giving fan service. They still have their view of how things should go, but they leave certain things ambiguous. So no matter who you ship, you're pretty happy. And no matter, or, or there's some angst for you, which is happy in our world. But, um, or also if you're, you had your fan theory, it might not be proved, but it's not disproved. And I think that those are, that's a very delicate line to walk. And I was a little worried because the first episode, it was almost distracting how much they were just putting it out there for the fans, but in a good way. And then the second one kind of, but the first one was really therapy pilot, <laughs> you know? So the second one, they, they came out with there was an actual mystery to solve and there was you know um some normalizing happening well and the the thing with this the second episode was there was also that fan service but they i don't know how they do it mark gaddis and especially mark gaddis in this because he's writing these the the brilliance of these episodes is how much they get in packed into them and the journey that we've seen Sherlock take in just these two episodes, especially the second one, how they, they've opened him up and he's actually, you know, asking his own brother, don't, you know, aren't, don't you get lonely? You have to get lonely. Cause now he's actually had a friend and well, it just is I a awakening. We talked about, or no, I talked about in the videos that we put up on fangirlmag.com and on our YouTube channel about how they made a big deal of, you know, he's regressed, he's regressed. But the truth is, he's only regressed as far as how to pretend to be normal. Emotionally, Sherlock has advanced by a lot. Right. The the thing he's having a problem with is, I think being able to communicate those emotions. He's feeling them, but he doesn't know how to uh, communicate them. I, I think that one of the things that I love is that he, he is learning to communicate in his own way. And I think there's a moment where he tells his brother that he's lonely, that I, I think he realizes now that he's not lonely anymore. And that he realizes that very strongly returning to people who are happy to see him and consider him a friend. Right. And then, and that's why in the second episode, when the wedding is happening and he's sort of, I think part of the reason he had a problem with John getting married is he has been, he sees that, and even says this at one point, I think, you know, they're going to have their own family. I, they won't, you know, there will be no room for me in this. But, you know, I think that I actually a little bit disagree because. Um, I really feel that Mark Gatiss has done something that is very difficult to do, which is to introduce a female character with two strong male leads that a good number of the fandom ships. They, but makes her not an impediment to the two of them. If anything, she makes it so that they can be what they're supposed to be. And I think that that is a great understanding of women. I think that's a great understanding of a fangirl because I'm sorry, nobody ships John Locke like Mary Morstan ships John Locke. And um, I think the fact that she and um, Sherlock buddy, buddy so much is Aside from a concession on Sherlock's part, I think it really shows that they have a mutual respect because of who they both love. Right. And I think that it makes it, and I said this online and I waited to have my, my ass handed to me, but I don't think it's about sex with Sherlock and John, even though so many people want it to be. I I don't get that. I think it, it almost makes it incestuous to think about them being a couple, I think it's more of the fact that, like we stated, he has never had a true brother or a friend or anyone that cared about him that he could relate to or actually acted like they cared about him. His own There's brother a- made his life a living hell because it was always about who was smarter 
Well, there's that point in when they're in his mind palace and Mycroft's talking and he says, tells him to shut up and he turns around and in real life points to John and says, you. It, and he turns that off. You know, he turns off that cold reason, that cut them all off thing and says, what does this person think? Well, and on top of that, you know, in, in his own mind palace, Mycroft was on this pedestal staring down and yelling at him. So he still has that vision of his brother being this imperious person in his life. And you could tell in, when they had his parents show up, they were completely not anything that he could relate to. He could not relate to those people. So I can only imagine, even though I thought it was funny that they were his actual real life parents. That was great. <laughs> um, that, that, how that was for him growing up he would have no one can, can we just talk about this is off subject and i don't really want to talk about it but i'd like to mention that the woman when she shows up in his mind palace is naked oh yeah i'm sure that's how just he saying. always sees her that's how he always sees her <laughs> but if uh you know where to look so um also i I love the fact that they managed to do all these wonderful, tragic, touching things and still give us the best drunk scene ever. Oh, God. And I don't know if you saw this, but Jim Rhodes, who is a piano player who's friends with um, with Ben, and I think he, he actually has worked with Ben, um, posted that uh, how wonderfully alike drunk Sherlock and drunk Benedict are. I, I actually wouldn't be surprised if they didn't really get drunk for that. <laughs> and they just filmed it. I, I the part where the part where the gal is telling him the sad story and drunk Sherlock gets so sad for her. Like I why know. Did he roll? <laughs> that was uh, that was that was a an, one of the best episodes I've ever seen. That was just a great great episode. And and that's one of those brilliant things where they balance comedy. They balance the pathos and the the they have the mystery in there. And just so much good stuff and so much um, development. So much worked in. Do what? There's so much canon worked in. People don't even know. Oh, yeah, totally. And, and, then, and then, of course, at the end, so we people just be aware that there's spoilers here. And if you want to skip the rest of this episode, feel free. At the end of the episode, I'm going to give you a pause. One, two, three. At the end of the episode... <laughs> At the end of the episode, we discover that Mary is pregnant. And it's great because Sherlock picks up on it. John doesn't. And he's the doctor. And he even states, I'm a damn doctor. And I didn't realize. And so that is leading into the finale. So can I, can, can I give my... Theory. Do you want yours first or do you want mine first? I'll give mine first because mine is like the deepest, darkest, evil thing that you can imagine. Oh, so, so is mine. So and, and here's what I think is going to happen because no one has died and no no bad thing has really happened in two episodes. Do you know how amazing that is for Mark Gaddis and Stephen Moffat not to let someone die or something horrible happen? That means we're going to get royally up the A in the finale, in my mind. And I think what's going to happen is they're going to give fan service again, but it's going to be in the worst possible way. I think Mary is going to have the baby, and I think she's going to die giving birth to it. And it could be due to a couple of things. One, she's just going to die in labor. And John is not going to be able to save her, and it's going to royally mess him up. And he's going to have to, uh, he's going to have to uh, either choose between. Maybe they'll make him have to choose between the life of the mother or the life of the the baby. And or she's going to die giving birth because someone shoots her. And it puts well, her into labor. Something's going to happen there. And then they have the baby. Little Hamish is born, and it's going to be left to Sherlock and John to raise him with Mrs. Hudson. And well, I think he won't name it Hamish one well, because they made a big point of. How I he know, I know, I know. But but the thing that that is messed up here is 
John's going to be destroyed by this. So it's going to be up to Sherlock to be the stable one. Here, here's the thing, though. Okay, so of of course, as soon as they say she's pregnant, I you know, can, canonically, sometimes Mary dies in childbirth. Sometimes Mary doesn't die till later because Sherlock Holmes, not Sherlock Holmes, Conan Doyle was horrible in continuity, and we all know this. Um, but you know, I think we know that she dies. The thing that people forget is that she comes into John's life in canon because he helps her and Sherlock Holmes likes her and the combination of that um, is how Mary ends up being Mary. It, something that may have gone unnoticed was that when they're reading the telegrams she's already stated that she's an orphan but we also know that she's a liar but she gets this telegram that says lots of love Papa, oodles of love and heaps of good wishes from CAM or CAM. Wish your family could have seen this. Don't you think CAM is Charles Augustus Magnuson and the look on her face? Of course. And so I wouldn't, I personally think one, I, I think that they expect everyone to expect Mary to die. I mean, I think Tumblr and everywhere is exploding with people saying, don't kill Mary. We like Mary. I think it's going to be worse. I think that they're going to lose the baby. Um, because I think that um, Mary's somebody that they can have a lot of fun writing for. And that changes the dynamic for a while. And not that she'll survive, ultimately. But I kind of feel like, I don't know. Well, and I I feel like it's it's going to be horrible. I think it's whatever gonna- it is, even if it's not that they I they, we're, we've been too happy too long. <laughs> no, I mean two episodes of Sherlock to make everybody happy is is just not how it goes. So I truly think that it's going to be both of them die, or or the baby lives and Mary dies, and they are left to you know raise the child. And I think it's going to be devastating to John. And I think it's going to be an interesting thing to see Sherlock have to be the stable one and to take I mean, care that, of him. The thing is that that would really, that would be really interesting because John doesn't have kids, you know, in canon. So that would be a real new departure. That'd be a real new side of that character. Well, and I think that the hints that they're throwing down too is um, Gaddis and, and uh, uh, Moffat, I've already said They've outlined season the, the season four. four, and they and there it's going to be something that's going to make everybody go, huh? I can totally see it being Sherlock, my two dads. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll see. I, I, the thing is that I don't want to speculate too much because I think that they did this wonderful thing where they threw at us not only everything that we were expecting, but everything that we kind of joked about and everything that, you know, I mean, right up to Sherlock showing up and going, not dead. Like, really? And should have been coming she, out of a cake. Right, <laughs> I think right. it could have been better. All the, all, the t- all the Tumblr things were done. And so at this point, I'd almost be disappointed if they did what I expected. And I'd almost be disappointed if they did what I wanted. Like, but I trust... Gatiss and Moffat ultimately as storytellers. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what they do, especially with the fact that hopefully it won't be another two years for them to do it. Well, I think, um, you know, the cast was really talking about in a lot of things how it's, they will continue to do it as long as people want them to because uh, they enjoy doing it so much. And there's, uh, Martin Freeman, of all people, was talking about how he really missed being on set. So I'm hoping that means we get a little bit more. Well, and he gets to work with his his woman, you know. Yeah, that's awesome. There, it, I I love her too. I don't want her to die, but I mean, that's gonna. Happen. I just love her pl- playing the boys. I know <laughs> she loves it. She loves it. All right. Well, everybody, I think we're out of time, and I, you know, be ready because as in this Sunday. The finale of season two of Sherlock is coming. And um, we found ways to watch it so you can too. And it's it's okay because you, you get to watch it. Don't just go ahead and do it. Just stream it. Stream it. <laughs> Don't dream it. Stream it. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> 
but yeah, uh, it's going to be, uh, it's probably going to be a tearjerker. I'm guessing. I think it's going to be a lot more serious than the last two. I'm just saying. Um, but Rachel, thank you for being thank on you. and everybody, uh, like I said, this weekend, check it out and keep your eyes peeled because if they haven't released something before now, probably this month we'll get to see Capaldi in his outfit for Doctor Who. I'm calling it. I'm thinking we're going to get a, a pick of his wardrobe this month. We'll see. I can hope. But with that, I want to say thank you again. And we'll talk to you next week. And we may have some really awesome interviews coming up. So stay tuned. This is Fangirl Radio out.